What's a pleasure? What's a tea? Let's bring love and positivity. Good vibes on this party scene. No shame in our game, cause we own it all. I'm guilty pleasures with Christopher Hall. Hello everybody, listeners, friends, followers of Unguilty Pleasure. This is Chris Hall welcoming you to another episode of the podcast. Um, This is the, well, it's the second of 2022 after the little check-in we did last week. Um, And I'm really excited to be here. You'll hear me talking with my guest how this is unofficially, officially the start of season two um, of Unguilty Pleasure. I feel just... As the new year comes around, a natural progression to season two happens. Um, Thank you all for coming back. I hope you're all well and um, settling into the new year. Um, My own guilty pleasure this week, I think, is just actually enjoying January. Usually at this time of year, um, it's really not my finest hour. Uh, I usually find it very tough to get up in the morning, but um, everything is, I think I've, uh, well, with, with the help of a bit of therapy and a bit of uh, growing up and a bit of self-care, um, January doesn't seem to be that bad after all this year. I know, um, you know, lots of people are going through lots of different things, but uh, I am finding pleasure in just being present in the present moment in January. Um, I'm looking forward to turning. I've already, I've already. My, it's my birthday in two weeks, and I've already started rounding up. So I've, um, I actually got told off at the weekend. Well, not told off, but my friend was like, "Why are you saying that you're 31 when you're not 31 yet?" Um, but I just like to round up, so the actual day isn't isn't too is a bit cushioned. It's not too much of a crash landing. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's happening with me. Um, lots of exciting things um, coming up. I'm um, guesting on a couple of other podcasts. Uh, in the next few weeks, which is exciting. Um, got some fun, exciting guests lined up for um, Unguilty Pleasure. Uh, we are full steam ahead um, with that. And, um, oh, I had something else to say. Oh, well, let's just let's just crack on. Because my guest today, uh, he was mentioned last week in the little um, episode check-in last week. Um, and I... Uh, he's a very busy man, um, but I've managed to steal him away um, to the Unguilty Pleasure HQ uh, for a conversation today. Um, he's a dear friend uh, f- over the, for the last nine years. I, we first, I first met him when I was a dancer in pantomime, and he played the dame and also directed. And then um, the friendship has blossomed uh, into... <laughs> into dear friends and peers, collaborators, um, because I now choreograph the Panto um, in Shrewsbury at the Theatre 7, and uh, he still directs and is the dame. Um, so that's been lovely, been lovely to, to grow together uh, <laughs> over the last nine years, ten years, nine years. Um, should really have the dates exact for you, but, you know, that's just not what we do here at Unguilty Pleasure. We like to approximate. Um Anyway, without further ado, please welcome the dazzling, multi-talented Mr. Brad Fitt into your ears. Enjoy. I'm guilty pleasures with Christopher Hall. Hello, hello, everybody. Um, I feel I've, uh, I never know how to start these 
things, these podcasts. Welcome to, I feel like this is the unofficial uh, first episode of series two. I didn't really break between series one and series two officially, but um, I feel maybe with the, the new year, there's a, a fresh perspective on uh, on Unguilty Pleasure. My guest today is a very, very, I've got a big smile on my face, a very, very dear treasured friend um, who uh, we've known each other for maybe 10 Ooh. years now, Possibly. nine, nine, ten years, um, and how we've grown in those in those <laughs> in that time. Um, please welcome to Unguilty Pleasure, um, actor, director, producer, family man, Mr. Brad Fitt. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Very well. I'm glad we got to do this. I I know. Nabbed you from your busy schedule here in London. Well, we were going to do it over pantomime, weren't we? But we never got round to it. No, and, quite... you, and then you left. And then... <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't leave in a um in a, in the middle of the night. I was. I left when my contra- when I was contractually obliged to leave. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Brad. Uh, uh, Brad is the director at the Theatre Seven pantomime in Shrewsbury, and also plays the Dame. Um. Yeah. And I choreograph the panto. But when we, we first met there. In I can't remember what year it was, but it was Sleeping Beauty, and you were—it was when you were a dancer. Yes. And I can't even remember what day I was that year. But that's when we Nurse first Nelly. met. Nurse Nelly. Yeah, oh, it's still talked about. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Nurse Nelly in Sleeping Beauty, and it was my third there, so it would have been about 2012, 2013. So yeah, uh, probably about. Yeah, twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, it must be nine. Yeah, and before so you've been at Shrewsbury for ten years. Ten years, well, eleven years. This this year, we've just finished uh, the pantomime adventures of Peter Pan, and that was my official tenth pantomime. Yeah, it would have been my eleventh year had we done one last year, but right. obviously we didn't have a pantomime last year. Um, uh, so it's my eleventh year in Shrewsbury, but mm-hmm. my tenth pantomime. And before mm-hmm. that, I think you saw me, didn't you? Before well, I was that, say, yeah, I was at uh, Cambridge Arts Theatre for. Yeah. Again, 10 years as, uh, firstly, uh, as a company manager, then then the writer, then the director, and then ultimately the dame. Mm. I just clawed my way to the top. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Elbowing anyone and everyone out the way. That's what they used to call me, elbows. To the top spot. Yeah. Um, Well, you've just, we've kind of just took the words out of my mouth. You are um, quite adept at almost every role. Um, in a uh, in a theatrical in theatre performance, yeah, in theatre. How I started when I was uh, when I was a kid, I used to love theatre. I used to love going to the theatre. I think mm. the first thing I went to was um, probably a pantomime when I was about five. But um, I, I saw that, and and then th- throughout school, um, I used to love theatre and stuff. And I used to enjoy drama, but I was mm. painfully shy. I was a painfully shy child, and. Um, and I wouldn't ever put myself forward for anything or you know, want to do that. And I used to think, well, I'd love to, I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, but I just knew that I didn't have it in me. Okay. I didn't have that, you know, I couldn't the stuff. push myself forward. Yeah. And, you know, so I just, it was a sort of dream. And then I, a, a careers advisor, uh, teacher, when I was doing my GCSEs, she said to me, you probably don't remember, I'm a bit older than you, but... Um, 
You used to have to answer all these questions on one of those old Commodore 64 computers. Uh-huh. And it used to print out, you know that paper with the holes down the side? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. It used to, used to answer all these questions. It would go, and it would tell you what you should be. Right. And mine said, I, I answered all the questions, you know, truthfully and honestly. And uh, it told me I should be a cabinet maker or a police officer. <laughs> And so I thought, well, I'm not going to be either of those. A cabinet maker is cabinet very maker. specific, not just I obviously carpenter said, in general. You know, I or... liked carpentry or CDT, craft design technology, and the law, and, yeah. clearly. Um, but I didn't become either of those things. And one of my careers advisors said, oh, I think you'd enjoy doing media studies. Mm-hmm. So I applied to do a media studies course at City College Norwich and got on to that and then start doing that and then realised I wasn't interested in media studies. I didn't really enjoy the radio stuff or the television stuff or, or print or anything like that. But at the same time, Theatre Royal Norwich reopened. So this would have been... Um, Gosh, 93, something okay. like that. 92, maybe 91, I can't remember. Uh, I was 17, so 92. And um, I became an usher mm-hmm. at selling programmes. And then I uh, I sold programmes better than anyone else. <laughs> Elbows. Of course. Pushed my way in. Promoted to ice cream. I, <laughs> I bypassed ice cream. Oh, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't go anywhere near ice creams. I went to straight to... I had a little... Um, I had a little booth in the foyer at the theatre. Yeah. And I used to count out the programmes into piles of 25 and give them to other ushers to sell. Yeah. I, was like a, I was like a drug mule <laughs> for programmes. And so I did that and I became the uh, front of house supervisor. And one of my jobs was in this little booth, I had a, a board behind me and I, could, you, I used to put up three posters and a row of leaflets for the next week's show. So whatever was coming the following week, I used to have to put the posters up. Mm-hmm. And it got a bit boring because you could fit three posters and a row of leaflets. So I started cutting them up and making 3D posters. And we had a um, Little Shop of Horrors came and I made a 3D Audrey. Yeah. And we had Tommy Steele, What a Show came and he was on the front of the poster. And I cut out loads of Tommy Steels and I made a huge kick line of Tommy Steels and with paper clips and string and things like that, I made them, you could pull the string and they all did a high kick. Oh my God. And the theatre manager saw this and asked who did it and I thought I was in trouble. But he (laughs) he then said, would you like, we're looking for an assistant prop maker for that year's pantomime, which was Aladdin. And so I became a prop maker. So I, I fell into becoming a prop maker. Yeah. I just then put yourself out there. I just yeah I did and just then that kind of guy. Uh, and then I so I was making props so I'd left uh, drama school uh, not drama school I'd left uh, college by this point media studies not for me thank you very much and um, so I became a prop maker mm-hmm. and I was making yeah massive tubes of toothpaste and you know all the things you need in Aladdin massive Bye. rubber ducks <laughs> trifles Jewels, uh, a lamp, Aladdin's lamp a carpet all of that sort of stuff and then. The day that I finished being a prop maker was the day that the cast turned up at the theatre. They'd been rehearsing in London. They turned up at the theatre for the technical rehearsal. And I was just delivering the props. And then that was that was it. And they, they were all going to be on stage. You know, they'd rehearsed it. And now they were going to do it technically with the set and the props and the lighting and everything like that. And the ASM, the assistant stage manager, had a nervous breakdown. Oh my. And so elbows here. Did you put something in his, in his drink? <laughs> Elbows on, his, here. On, his, on his dinner. 
they said, I don't suppose, Brad. And I was like, yes, I'll do it. So I then became an assistant stage manager. So I was then on the show, working in the wings, setting all the props and things like that. And the, the dame was uh, Christopher Biggins, mm-hmm. Widow Twanky, the, the great Christopher Biggins. Yeah. And... Um, and who was uh, Abenaza was Victor Spinetti. Now, if you don't know Victor Spinetti, he was a very famous Welsh actor, very famous. He was in all the Beatles films and stuff. He was in everything in the 60s and 70s. Anyway. But he was very famous and he was playing Abenaza and I got on very well with him. Mm-hmm. And there was a bit where we used to sit in the wings together. I would be sat next to him and he, he used to say to me, well, what do you want to do with your life, Brad? And when I discovered that there was this other life, you could work backstage. Yeah. So you weren't in the spotlight, but you could still be part of the excitement of, you know, being behind the curtain. I thought, this is what I want to do. And he said, well, I don't know anything about being a stage manager. <laughs> so I'll teach you how to be an actor. Okay. So every day in this show, he would sit there and he would talk to me about comedy and he would talk to me about how to play comedy and how to do tragedy and mm-hmm. he would teach me bits and pieces yeah. and um and every day i would say I, i'm not going to be an actor i I want to be a stage manager he said well yeah i know but uh what i'd tell you about comedy and you know so he did and i so say he taught me little bits and pieces and then i became uh, i thought i'm going to be a stage manager so i applied to go to bristol Olympic theater school mm-hmm. and i got in there and i went to bristol Olympic theater school and biggins uh used to do these things called the Holders Opera Season, yeah. which were in Barbados. Ooh. And so Elbow's here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I was 17, and um, he said, oh, oh, he said, oh, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm doing this um, show in Barbados. And I think it was Taming of the Shrew. Do they really? Uh, yeah. That, that sounds... <laughs> I know. Sounds like you can go and just, like, read the book and then just spend the rest of time on holiday. Well, yeah, no, it was this Can't open. Air, it. it was an open air theatre uh, season. That I think they still do it. It was called Holder's House in in Barbados, and it was Johnny and Wendy Kidd owned the house. Mm-hmm. Do you know Jodie Kidd, the model? Yeah, it, that's her parents. So it was her house, and they did this open air theatre thing for all the expats in in Barbados. Okay, and it was amazing. And and we, I, I did that. So he said. We're looking for... He said, do you want to come and stage manage this? Well, I was 70. I hadn't trained as a stage manager at that point. He was just impressed because I'd made something for his Tina Turner outfit (laughs) as a prop (laughs) in pantomime and then gave me all this, uh, you know... uh, What's the word? Um, He uh, trusted me with all of this thing. So he told me to go and get the book, which I did, from Waterstones. And um, I turned up on the first day of rehearsals. In Barbados. No, in, oh, in London for a month rehearsing with all these actors, you know, proper yeah. actors and stuff. Yeah. And there's me there. And they were coming <laughs> over and saying, where was I when I said that line? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. How am I supposed to remember where you were? And they said, you should, be, like me and yeah, you should be writing this down. You should be doing the blocking. Yeah. So I was like, blocking? And they were like, well, you should be writing down in the script where we stood when we said that line. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, right. So I got my fountain. You can see I have my pad here. Yeah, I don't go anywhere with a pad and pen. But I've got my, my little fountain fountain pen there and so, chic. So, so I got my fountain pen out and in between the lines in the book yeah I started writing you know oh they were stood here and then of course they would direct it and they would move they would say <laughs> oh, forget that go somewhere else but I'd inked it all in <laughs> and so I was like well they can't be doing this so then I learned very quickly write in pencil yeah so I learned things like that but then I went to drama school and I became a stage manager uh-huh. but that's how I started and you know in the first year I was at drama school they thought I was this 
I mean, they didn't know who I was. This guy turned up, and then and I was in my first term. I'd already done one season in Barbados, and mm-hmm. they wanted me to go out and do the second year. Yeah. So they and I said I can't. I'm at drama school in my first year at drama school, <laughs> and I remember Biggins and the producer writing to the drama school saying, we need "Can him. Brad come off?" You know. So I, then, I, I, even them, they they thought. The bloody hell is Yeah, <laughs> she's going to turn up, do a couple we're, of we're, classes. We're teaching him yeah. how to do this, and now you want to take him to Barbados. So I went out and did that for a few years, but how I long, left there. How long was the season in Barbados? Oh, uh, we rehearsed for about a month, and then we were out there for about a month. We're doing... Oh, it, only, yes. It was very, very arduous. And, um, I mean, it was yeah. tough, actually. It was tough, because it wasn't just one show. You would do loads of shows. I, I, I was out there doing all sorts of shows. Yeah. But we had crazy, it was crazy times. I was 18, you know, fresh face, and I was out there. I was doing shows with uh, La- Larry Adler. You uh-huh. probably don't remember Larry Adler. He's dead now. They're all dead. But uh, <laughs> Larry Adler, he famously, he did an album, a Gershwin album. He played the harmonica. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he, he, I did a concert with him one night. I had to turn the pages for the pianist. Now, I can't read music. <laughs> So I'm there, Just, and I'm you know I'm sweating because it's it's it's, it's, the, Caribbean. it's yeah. the Caribbean. It's evening. I roll my you know I've, I'm wearing a silkish shirt thing because I'm having to turn the pages for a, a pianist called Richard Sisson, mm-hmm. and I couldn't read music. So I'm sat next to him, and he's saying turn, turn, turn. Right, Larry Adler's plays. I don't know 400 people watching this beautiful Gershwin thing. And I've got my arm and I'm sweating and my yeah. arm is resting on the lid of the piano, holding this <laughs> bit of paper. My hand is shaking. We got to a really good bit of the music. He's like, turn. I pulled. My arm was stuck to the lid of the piano, crushed his fingers. <gasps> I mean, <"Ding!" laughs> yeah. just a really ru- completely ruined yeah. moment. Yeah, ruined the mu- halfway through Rhapsody in Blue, which is his famous number. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my arm got stuck. But oh my gosh, we, that's Larry a comedy Adler, sketch. We had uh, Pavarotti did one year. Um, yeah, there were loads of people there doing. But it was it was uh, it was uh, Shakespeare and it was um, operas and mm-hmm. we did the Mikado and I met lots of good friends. I met my good friend Jeremy Swan doing the Mikado. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I lots of friends that I made there. But that's uh, yeah. That's that was my first job. First. In bar- well, apart from prop maker yeah. and ASM on Panto, I then became stage manager of Barbados and then went to drama school <laughs> of, of, the, of the Barbados holders season <laughs> of the island, and then came back. I did a, I did, I did a couple, couple of years back at Bristol. <laughs> went back to Bristol, back finished, guys. came out to uh, on tour, did a couple of shows as an ASM, then moved up as to a DSM mm-hmm. on Honk. The musical, which was directed by assistant stage manager, then deputy Julia stage McKenzie, she did that, yeah, and then oh, I th- of Miss um, Marple, yes, oh my, Julia McKenzie, gosh. she was lovely. She Absolute she was the director queen. of Honk. I remember she was in we were in Plymouth, and she said um, uh, when we got to Tech, she'd done rehearsals, and the first day of Tech, I had to go out to write. Julia, we're about to start, da da da. Um, and uh, she said, uh, oh, she said, I can't. She said, I've got to go out to Marks. I said, we're about to start the tech session. And she said, well, she said, well, the trouble is when the lights go down in the auditorium, my eye starts to flicker. So uh, she said, you know what I want for the opening. <laughs> I've got to go to Mark's. And she did. She went out to Mark's and we, we got on with that to begin with. But then she came back and we, that was my first DSM job. And then I, I didn't really do many DSM jobs, uh, you know, which is calling the show. It, yeah. it, it sat in the wings with the script, calling the lights, sound, flying in and out and all yeah. that sort of business. 
I did a couple and then became a company manager. And then elbowed up. Uh, elbows. And then became a company manager and then toured and then sort of became, fell into producing and just I was, all all kind of fell into place in the most weird and one, yeah, wonderful way. Yeah. Serendipitous way. I've never really had a I've never really had an interview or a job interview or anything like that, or an audition or anything like that. I just, I, f- I fell into things. But I think it's, it's it's luck and it's being in the right place. I was you big as... You are good at your job as well. I, yes. And nice to be around. Oh, uh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> when I was, because I knew Biggins and then I became his company manager, yeah. he was doing a season can, at Cambridge. Can you tell the story, sorry, of um, <laughs> when somebody threw his, um, threw something of his out in the in the bin? <laughs> Oh, 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 was it that? was, uh, he used to be the, he was Dame in Cambridge. He did five years as Dame and I was the company manager and I used to have the office next to his dressing room. His dressing room was on stage level and then I was just down a few more steps uh, and I was there and uh, he just used to shout, he was a Brad, he used to scream and I'd have to go and see what he wants. And he had, oh God, this was years ago. He had a Tiffany <laughs> silver uh, bendy straw. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't quite actually of, bendy. Quite it, ahead of the game. With he was the ahead of it. Straw. Yeah, he was ahead of his well, time. He, silver yeah. straw. Tiffany silver. Straw. Tif- Tiffany silver straw. But uh, yeah, he, and he used to drink diet coke then all the time. But he had this silver straw in his diet coke, and he left for the day. And obviously the cleaners went in, picked the thing up, shook it, and threw it in the bin. And um, and he came in the next day. Brad. <laughs> yes. He said, "Somebody's throwing my Tiffany, my Tiffany um, uh, straw, my Tiffany straw," and we could only assume that it had been thrown out with the rubbish. So I had to literally climb into <laughs> a, a, a dumpster out the back of uh, Cambridge Arts before the show. I was, I was in there, I was a little stool, and in there and heaving, you know, pulling out bin bags full of. That, I can't, unthinkable unthinkable waste and yeah. you know and whatever that bin juice is at the bottom oh, bin just, juice yeah, yeah yeah my feet soaking <laughs> bin juice and but I found it no you did find it yeah, which I found is, it thank god elbows found it and he yeah. carried on working for another 10 years and somebody got fired somebody got fired the dress <laughs> somebody the, got fired yeah, that for that cleaner yeah she was never seen again but I yeah I uh but um yeah that so when I was his company manager at Cambridge, he did five years, but I used to offer him, I used to write little jokes and things, mm-hmm. which I would say to him, why didn't you try this, why didn't you try that? And then when he left and decided that's it, he was moving on, because he used to write and direct and play Dame at Cambridge. And when he left, the theatre asked me if I would be willing to write the following year's script. Mm-hmm. And I'd never written anything, but I'd, I'd give it a go. So I, yeah. I wrote... <laughs> well, that's the name of the game. Jack name, of the name Brad's game, just give it a go. <laughs> give it a go. Um, so I wrote it, handed it in, well, I handed Act One in because I thought, well, I'll see if they like Act One. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the whole thing. And uh, But they said, yes, we like that. So I then finished it, Act Two. And then when I'd written it and handed it in, they then said, well, do you want to direct it? And I, again, I was like, well, I've never directed anything. I don't mm-hmm. know how to direct. Yeah. And they said, well, you wrote it, so you must know what happens, <laughs> you know. So Come I on. then, there we go, give it a go. Yeah. Um, became a director... And then after a few years of that the, and getting known in uh, Cambridge, they asked me if I'd play An Ugly Sister in mm-hmm. Cinderella. Cinderella came round. And I thought, no, that's a ridiculous idea. I'm not going to play Cinderella. I'm not going to play an Ugly Sister. Yeah. I've too never been on stage. I'm far too pretty. I've never been on stage. 
I'd never acted in my life. And yeah. you know, I thought, no. And then they kept asking, kept asking, kept asking. And I thought, do you know what? Nobody's ever going to ask me to do this again. Nobody's ever going to say to me, come and do it. So I thought, I'll do it. Yeah. And then at least I can say, I've done, I've it. done it. I did this and I'll have a poster to put on the wall and things like that. So I decided to do it. And then we had the photo shoot and everything. And I was on the poster and then that was it. I couldn't back out. Mm -hmm. But I remember the first day, the first show we did... We, myself and Scott Ritchie, who was the other ugly sister, we were making our entrance through the doors at the back of the stalls. He was stage auditorium left, I was auditorium right, and there was these two little cubby holes. And we're waiting to go on, and I could hear Buttons doing his patter, and he was about to go off and say, oh, no, here come the ugly sisters. And the music started, and it was uh, Beauty That Drives a Man Mad from Some Like It Hot. And we were making, our, and we had to make our way down. And the man that was stood with me, a man called Nigel, who worked front of house at the theatre, he looked at me and he said, are you all right? I said, yeah, why? He said, I can't see your neck. And my neck had disappeared. My shoulders were so <laughs> far up. You know, my neck had disappeared. I was so nervous. I thought I'd never been on stage before. Oh, my gosh. And I stood there dressed as this ugly sister. I can't yeah. remember. I, they were called Dolce and Gabbana. I think I was, I think I was Dolce. Of course. And uh, and the music started, and I thought, well, here goes. And I went out, and um, we did the opening number in a, in a blur, and um, and then after that it was fine. I was I was on stage, and I was ugly uh, sister, back. and um, that was that. Mm. Biggins, I, I I bumped into Biggins in London uh, when I when he'd seen that I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I was on St. Martin's Lane and I saw him and he said, what's this I hear about you playing an ugly sister in Cambridge? And I said, yeah, well, they asked me and I thought, well, nobody's going to ask me again, so I'll give it a go. And he said, well, I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and I said, why? He said, well, there are actors out there that could do it. And then I felt awful. And I thought, no, there are actors out there that could do it. That is awful. I feel bad now. And they thought, well, there's nothing I can do now. I'm on the yeah. poster. I've got to do it. So mm -hmm. I did it. And I got a review in... It was either Sunday Telegraph or one of those broadsheet Sunday Telegraphs. They did a roundup of pantomime and they they said, we weren't in the same show, but they they said that Matthew Kelly and myself were the best ugly sisters they'd seen that year going oh, Wow! Out. So Biggins uh, phoned me and he said, well, I've just read the paper. He said, I better come and see you now. And he did. He, he came <laughs> to see me. And that was but it. Eat my words. Eat my words. And that was it. And, and, and then from that moment on, they then asked me to play Dame the following year. So I yeah. played Dame... Got the other one out. We elbowed, back. elbowed him out of the <laughs> out of the dressing room. Now, we, he won't, was, we won't be doing Cinderella again. Just, no, uh, sorry. <laughs> just uh, one dame from now on. Yeah, in and I've never played an ugly sister since. No, um, but uh, yeah, no, but then I became dame, and then um, I've been dame ever since. Mm -hmm. I have done a couple of other acting roles where people have asked me to do stuff. I did a, I did a farce once, and a farce. <laughs> And um, what did you call me? And <laughs> I did a farce once, which I enjoyed. And I think I'd like to do more things. However, I haven't got... I think if you want to be an actor full-time, you've, you've got to absolutely... It's got to be the be-all and end-all. Yeah. And you've got to want to do it. And I really am not... I haven't got that, that, that thirst for it. Yeah, yeah. If somebody came to me and said... Would you? Can you do? Or would you do mm -hmm. this? Yeah. And it's something I wanted to do. I'd be like, yeah, that makes me sound really prissy, doesn't it? <laughs> no. But no, I don't audition. But I don't no, audition but, because I've got no. I, 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 you're happy with what you do. And you're also, happy I couldn't with, do it. I yeah. couldn't do what what actors do, as in. Oh, it's terrible. You know, 
these cattle calls, and, and I've been on other sides, and 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 that turning up constantly and saying, you know, pick me, pick me, you know. Yeah, no, it's hard. What can I do? And I, I couldn't do that. I haven't got that in me. Mm. So if they come and say, would you do this? Yes, but I wouldn't audition for it. Mm. Not because I'm being, um, you know, uh, um, what's the word? Mighty than higher than that. Yeah, I'm not being high and mighty about yeah. it. I just couldn't but you do just it. didn't want. Yeah, I you wouldn't want to it. audition. Yeah, yeah. No. But no. there's something really beautiful about. Um, putting yourself out there, giving things a go. And when people ask you to do things, actually saying, oh, I don't know how to do it, but if you want me to do it, I'll give it my best shot. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. It could be terrible. It could be terrible. It could be terrible. You've asked me. You've asked me. Uh, so, yeah. So I think that's probably, that's probably quite true of me in most things. If people ask me... You don't, back, you don't shy away I'll from... I'll give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I give that's... it a go, but I don't put myself forward for things. I'm not a, f- you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, we're making jokes about elbows here, but yeah. I've never fought for anything. I've right. always, you know, happily just fallen into it. Yeah, I'll give this a go. I'll give this a go. Um, I'm shook at that Barbados. Are you never, you've never told me that uh, Barbados season. I think that's just Barbados. I've chic. done all sorts of things. Glam. I did Barbados. I did. I, I, I've got loads of stories about. I, t- I went to Minsk in Belarus with Miriam Margulies <laughs> once to do a play called Dick, <laughs> you... Dickens Women. <laughs> And I lived in, well, we went to Belarus and did this show. Minsk. Minsk. With, it was me, a pianist, and Miriam Margulies. I mean, it was a hoot. You tr- it was truly, a hoot. people listening to this are getting just a slight, being your friend, you just have <laughs> this um, infinite encyclopedia of just stories. And, stories, and, yeah. And travels and everything that you've, that's happened in your life. It's so... Um, I, Unending yeah. is wonderful. No, I like I like the stories. I keep thinking that maybe you should I, I should write more of them down because they are lots of there's loads of things that I did that I, I came in on the tail end of Larry Grayson. You wouldn't know Larry Grayson. He's my idol of a co- comedy, and um, I worked with him. One of the last shows he did, I I helped him from the stage to the well from his dressing room to the stage, and I've got loads of things and you know it, loads of stories. I should write them down. Well, mm. I did actually, because you and I, during the pandemic, pandemic last year, when our pantomime was snatched from, from our, underneath from our, us, from our clutches, from our clutches, yeah. and we thought, "Crikey, um, through fingers. Christmas with nothing to do for the first time in well, since I was seventeen, mm-hmm. um, uh, no, no panto." We uh, you wrote uh, well, like, we did a show. Um, we did, yeah. I I wrote this show because the theatre phoned me up and said, "Well, we got no panto." If we are allowed to do socially distanced theatre, you know, it'd be nice to do something. Mm-hmm. Could we get Eric Smith to interview? Now, Eric Smith is the local, well, he's not anymore, he's retired now, but yeah. he was the local breakfast radio, BBC Radio Shropshire presenter for 26 years or something. And he was always in the panto playing that, you know, Baron Hardup or, yeah, the king. you know, the king or that, that type of role. And he was a great friend. And they said, oh, maybe we could get Eric to interview on stage and do a few shows like that. And I thought, well, that would be pretty boring. Not, not, <laughs> not that um, Eric is boring, but I thought just a question and answer session, that mm. would be pretty boring. So, yeah, myself and you and Simon Hansen, the musical director, we all put our heads together and came up with, came up with this show called We'll Have to Do It Again Then, which is the, um, it's the, the song that you sing in the ghost routine if people aren't familiar yeah we'll, we'll have, have to, to do, do it, it again, again then, then won't we, we? whoops uh, so that was the title 
It was a bit too long, actually. If we did it again, I think I'd change the title. It was quite long. It Welcome quite to, we'll have to do it again then, won't we? We'll we? have to do it again then, won't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it was, that was a little, that was nice. That was yeah, a nice little show that we did. and that was kind of like a little uh, one man, or oh, sort of um, memoir It was telling how I got anecdotes. into theatre, yeah. my first experience of theatre, and, you know, how I how I ended up pretty much a lot of the stories I've just told you but how I got into it and fell into things and ended up where I am and a bit of the history of pantomime mm-hmm. which I'm uh, I'm keen on and um you know all the people that were that make up pantomime Dan Lino and all these people going back so the history and stuff like that yeah it was a bit about that a bit about the traditions why we do what we do educational and it ended with um it ended with me I used to get made up during the show, so I'd walk on as Brad, and then over the course of the show, uh, would put on the face, and then the fat suit, and Mm -hmm. the you know the padding, and then the costume, and then ultimately, the wig would go on, and then I would do the opening that I would have done had we have had a pantomime last year. So a few a few COVID jokes, and uh, you know, but it was sort of like the idea was that I was in my dressing room talking to the audience. And then I would have guests on. Mm-hmm. And Biggins came and was yeah, a guest yeah. one one night, and uh, who you met, because you of course came back and added another, you know, one of your other talents. Sang a song. Sang a song. Gave you gave you the vocals. The vocal talents uh-huh. of Chris Hall, and uh, so it was nice. It was nice to have guests in, and it was nice to be able to do a show during the pandemic, or to get something on, and also to have people. You know, we had you in, and we had friends of yours that were singers that came yeah. and did. Um, uh, shows and uh, we had different guests and things so it was nice to be able to and it came in yeah December 2020 which was quite a dark quite a dark time it was a very it was a really nice um, it was a really nice light week that we had it was a refreshing kind of return it was nice it was lovely to be on stage again and it was nice because we we then but we obviously we then got it was all snatched away from us. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> we went on stage one afternoon and then they they closed us that afternoon yeah. uh, because we went back into a lockdown. So, um, but we managed to go back in July. Did, yeah, did, did we it again. Finish, last year we finished it. Did this, uh, this show. The summer version. The summer version. Yeah. Um, cut out all the Christmas songs and uh, went back and did it. Yeah. It's a, it's a it, well, to be honest with you, the thing about the show is, although it's about pantomimes, if any producers are listening, it yeah, can it can work transfer anywhere all anytime. year round. And I, I often think it would go well on the cruises. Oh, I think if anyone's it's, listening. Yeah, come on. Yeah, if anyone's here from uh, those those Caribbean cruises. Yeah, they'll love it. Are calling out for yeah, a show. Get us on, on Piano. Get yeah. us on the Arcadia. Yeah, they're calling the out for a little uh, uh, show about pantomime. Yeah, well, and uh, yeah, well, we can do that. So that was nice. Get in the DMs, guys. Um, <clears throat> very nice. One thing I I'm going to change the. The direction slightly. All oh, right, yes. Um, and uh, that is, is Bradfit your real name? It is, well, my real name. Well, yes, it is because my real name, my full name, is Bradley. Yeah. Reuben. Yeah. Fit. I love the name Reuben. Well, Bradley as well, but I love the so name Reuben. So my dad is called Reuben Fit, and uh, I was christened Brad Bradley Fit. Actually, I wasn't christened. My I, I've never been christened. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so there was lightning just outside the, uh, out, the, out the door. I've not been christened, but my birth certificate is Bradley Rubin Fit. Yeah. yeah. And how many times have you been... My entire life. Mis- ...misconstrued for A, Brad Pitt, the actor, well, and then Brad Pitt, the gay porn star? 
<laughs> up until up until I was about well, I don't know what year it would have been, but was it ninety four or something like that? I think up until nineteen ninety four, it was an unusual name. Yeah, I've never I've never gone by Bradley. My mum calls me Bradley, but ever since I was a kid, I've, I was Brad. Yeah. So um, I've always been Brad. So it was always an unusual name, and I hated it when I was a kid because you'd always get to school a new class. There'd be three Pauls, two Matthews, two Christophers. Yeah. Da, da, da. Oh, Brad. And it'd be like, whoosh, everyone looked right, Brad. That's unusual. Who's that weirdo? Where's that name from? And um, so I hated it because I wanted a name like everyone else. But then I got, grew to like it. And then in 1994, I think it was, when Thelma and Louise came out, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt became famous. And um, and then after that, everyone assumed that I had changed my name to Brad Fit to sound like Brad Pitt. Yeah, but no, Which it's my you real did. name. You did. You just admit it. It's my real you name. Did. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's my real name. So that's it. There we go. But no, it's 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 a bane. I mean, <laughs> it is. Life. I mean, no, it, you, you phone up, and every time you have to give your name to another company, or you have to book a table, or anything like that, and you say. <laughs> Or if you're picking up anything from the post, anything yeah. that you have to phone someone and, like, and they say, what's your name? And you say, Brad Fit. There's always a pause. I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Brad Fit, F-I-T-T. And then there's another pause and then they say, oh, I thought you said Brad Pitt. I bet you get that all the time. So yeah. Yes, I do. Uh, yes, I do. Yes, literally, I do. Literally all the time. So what the fact that you <laughs> decided to also do this do today. as well, yeah. You're part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah, you are part of the problem. But no, I, I, all the time. Yeah. Every time I meet someone new, I have to go through the same thing. <laughs> I often think it'd be they easier. They put it on the poster once, didn't they? Brad Pitt. They put a poster. Accident. They hung a poster across the Welsh Bridge in Shrewsbury saying that Brad Pitt was going to be playing Widow 20. <laughs> yeah. And tickets. And it made Skyrocketed. it. It made it onto, um, what's that thing with, uh, uh, Have I Got Buzzfeed. News For You? Oh, Have I Got News it, For You? It was on Have I Got News For You, yeah. Claim to fame. Mm. I've never been on Have I Got News For You, but, my, yet. but a picture of me has with Brad Pitt's name next to it. But oh, my gosh. Yeah, they used my picture. They didn't yeah. use Brad Pitt's picture, but they <laughs> used my picture and his name. I must have just thought the makeup was astounding. Astounding, yeah. You are very similar, though. So, yeah, no, I get it all the time. I've, I've, I've thought, uh, the other guy, I had no <laughs> idea who he was. I was working is... as a producer at... <laughs> Curve in Leicester. I don't know if you know Curve in Leicester. This is when this is the story. This is one of the, my earliest sto- um, memories of you. For, this is from Stephen B. This is from 2013. Oh, you was told it? Me this well, story. I, I got a phone call. I was in a meeting one day at the Curve in Leicester, and my phone rang from a foreign number. And I thought, well, you know, you see a foreign number, and you think, what's this? So I answered it, and this chap started talking to me and saying, "Do you own Bradfit.com?" And I said, "Yes, I do." And they wanted to buy it. They said, would you be would you be interested in selling it? And I said, well, no, because it's my website. Mm. No, what do you want it for? And they said, oh, don't worry. You know, you know, if you ever want to sell it, we'll send you an email. If you ever want to sell it, let us know. And I used to own bradfit.com and bradfit.co.uk mm-hmm. uh, because somebody bought them for me. And Shane had bought them, my husband. And uh, I... I let the other one, .co.uk, lapse because I thought, I'm never going to use it. Why am I going to, you know, yeah. I don't need two. But they bought it. <laughs> and then suddenly I went on one day and I was like, why? What is it? And then I went on, I think it was Twitter. <laughs> I th- somebody had tagged me. I think I'm at Brad Fit on Twitter. Yeah. 
And um, and this gentleman must be this gentleman was had Radford tagged something xxx. He's something like that, yeah. yeah. And I'd been tagged in this thing, <laughs> and um, I suddenly I was like, "Who is this guy?" And he is, I guess it, I'm guessing it's not his real name, but he is a, a Bratislavan twink porn actor. <laughs> so I suddenly there's me, Mr. Wholesome Family Man, <laughs> pantomime dame. <laughs> Suddenly being linked on Twitter to Bradfit XXX. Mm. Um, <laughs> and honestly, some of the pictures that come up on it, I mean, it's Well, quite... Twitter, you can post anything. Tw- yeah, I didn't know this. Yeah, Twitter's I the end. Um, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. <clears throat> no, you can. Quite literally. So it's good to... <laughs> quite literally, you can do what you want. Okay, it's... Um... Uh, but yeah, no, I am not... Uh, no, so if you are, just in case, if you're you not are, dot co- fan, you are dot com. You're not dot co uk. Yeah, I don't think he has that website anymore. I don't no. know. I would imagine that that, I would imagine that that career is fairly short lived. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Depends if I guess you can move through the. Uh, he could move through. What's after twink? A twunk. A twunk. Yeah, or oh, otter. Right. Depends. Yeah, you, you've lost me now. It depends. Um, I think it depends. <laughs> uh, well, it just depends. You know, your journey through. You've lost me now. Hair or body type, I guess. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he's still around. Yeah. Um, if you but, are listening. Uh, if you are listening, Bradford XXX. Um, yeah. Much love. Much love. <laughs> don't, don't forget I bet to he's write. Never been, I bet he's never been mistaken for Brad Pitt. No. no. Um, so, um, back to kind of, I guess, the theme of the podcast. It's all about... Um, oh, right all about feeling good doing whatever it is you do to kind of keep your vibrations high keep your mood elevated keep yourself in a in um in your you know um safe space i guess um what would be some of those things or your main thing or or um uh what would i do well i um and i don't mind talking about this i when i was uh 17 18 something like that i um started uh, uh, the first time I'd ever had a drink I my my mum is really uh, you know as a child growing up they weren't uh, uh, you know very very strict or anything like that but I was such a goody two-shoes I would wouldn't put a foot out of uh, uh, line and so I would you know if they said don't drink don't do this don't whatever you know I never did that but and I didn't have my first drink until I was about 17 18 I was at college mm-hmm. and um my entire life, I said a little bit at the start there, when I was a kid, I was so nervous about shy, wouldn't put myself out there. And I, I, I just thought, you know, that's how I was. I was just shy in the background and, and quiet and stuff. And my first drink was, uh, I'd started college and some of the guys on my course, we had a two hour lunch break one day. And they said, oh, we're going to the pub. And I went along with them. But I was, I, I must have been 17 or 18, but I looked very young. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was that age, I looked 12, okay. you know. I'm 46 now and I, I well, I, I'd like to think I don't look 46. But back then I really was. I know today you didn't jump in there. With oh, no, right there. <laughs> but uh, moving That's on. Six. We'll cut 36. That. Um, we'll cut that. We'll cut that. Moving on night. swiftly. Um <laughs> We went to this, I went to this pub and uh, they all ordered pints of Guinness and I'd never had a drink. I'd never, you know, and and I sort of hung back because I thought, gosh, I'm so, you know, if I order a drink and they say, have you got any ID? I would, I'll have to kill myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally have to walk out of here now under a bus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
um, because I wouldn't be able to handle it. And so I went, hung back until they'd all ordered. And then I sort of went forward as best I could. And I said, oh, can I have half a Guinness, please? Because I didn't know what it was. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'll have a smaller one. And so I ordered this half a Guinness, went over. They served us. It was, it was near a college. They couldn't care less. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went and sat with them. And I was perched on the edge of a sofa. You know, they're all there. And as a child, I used to watch people and they'd talk to each other and they used to talk so openly and laugh and joke and blah, blah, blah. And I remember distinctly uh, sitting outside this, like looking in, as I had done my entire life, mm-hmm. looking in on things happening around me. And I had that drink. I had that half a Guinness. And yeah. it's like, I can still remember now, it felt like something from Fantasia or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, the pink elephants, all that, you know, the world, you know, Dorothy stepping out that door. Yeah. Everything was suddenly colourful. I found that I was, I could interject into this conversation. I felt that I could talk. Mm-hmm. I felt, I thought I was funny. I was making jokes. And I remember thinking, God, this is what normal must feel like. Right. This is what normal must feel like to yeah. everyone else. I've discovered, I've, I've worked out. You I've found... I found out what it is. I found out what my medicine is. So I literally went back the next day and had three pints mm-hmm. of Guinness. And Guinness as well, quite the choice. Guinness, yeah. I don't know why, but, but purely because that's just, what they're, they're it. ordered. Yeah, yeah. And then, not to, not to dwell on drinking and all that sort of stuff, but I'd found my, um, my vice or my drug of choice or whatever it was that, you know, made me feel normal. And mm-hmm. it got me through life. And it was like I'd found a medicine that could, you know, just made me more confident, made me happy, made me da-da-da. And throughout the years of my uh, drinking, um, occasionally people would say, and I was very good at drinking, Occasionally, people would say, "Oh, do you think you'd possibly drink too much?" And I used to say, "Well, no. If you know, if it became a problem, I'd just stop. Mm. You know, it's not a problem." Yeah. And um, so it went on like that for years. I mean, from until uh, until I got to an age about thirty, and various things were happening, and you know, and it was starting to affect me, and it was starting to, you know, I was, you know, you know, forgetting things or whatever, and I. You know, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I thought, no, this is possibly a problem now. Yeah. By which point I knew I I found I couldn't stop. Right. I was totally, uh, you know, addicted. I was was an alcoholic. Right. Um, And I couldn't I couldn't do anything about it. And um, I tried myself to do something about it and couldn't do it. I sought help uh, and thought, no, that's not for me, and I just need to calm down a bit, and uh, and did that, and um, and then eventually, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, I just need to calm down, and I did for a little bit because mm-hmm. I think I scared myself by reaching out for uh, help, and uh, I think it lasted about three months, okay. and then I was back to where I was. In fact, it was worse than it was before, and then I I got to the point that no, I've got to do something. That was the turning point when I was about thirty one or something. I thought uh-huh. no, I've got to do something. Yeah. Um, various, you know, things happened in that year that I just thought, no, I can't go on. Yeah. And so I went, I, I, I got, uh, I, I got some help and I followed, uh, a program and, um, I, uh, that was the September, the, it was September the 10th, 2006. Amazing. Was the last time I had a, a drink. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine yourself? At 50, I mean, that's over 15 years. I was 15 years sober last 
September. September. So, yeah, <coughs> what so, an achievement. What I mean, October, February, yeah. Uh, yeah. Incredible. I'm over, so I haven't had a drink in over 15 years. And I think part of that is... Um, so to to link in because it wouldn't have made sense had I just said these are the things I do. Um, I think a lot of what I do, or what I try and do, mm-hmm. and if you ask Shane, uh, yeah. my husband, about this, he would say I don't do any of these things enough. Okay. Uh, but what I am supposed to do is I'm supposed to uh, have time to myself in the mm. morning. So I do try and meditate. Yeah. Um. I'm not great at it every day, but I try and do that. I try and start my day. It's very difficult sometimes because if I, you know, but obviously your listeners don't, I, Shane and I uh, became foster carers about nine years ago. Uh-huh. Well, about 10 years ago, but then about nine years ago, we had two brothers uh, come and live with us, Riley and Toby, yeah. who were then f- uh, four and seven and that are now... 13 and 16 mm-hmm. we're now their long-term uh, guardians and then about six years ago we had another little boy called Alfie turn up who was then five he's now 11 so we've got three boys yeah um uh, between 11 and 16 so you know you can imagine in the morning the first day you know if you, sometimes you can open your yourself. eyes and bang you're into it you yeah, know? yeah. It's like, i haven't got my school shoes where the, where's my peak i need the bus and if i get caught up in that and I haven't had my, you know, five Moment. minutes of getting myself together. Yeah. Uh, it's quite easy to, like, my day is then ruined. Right. Because I don't catch up until, or unless I can think to myself, do you know what, I need to start my day again. And the, and, and realising yeah. that actually I can start my day again at any any time of the day. Mm. If, I, if, it's four o'clock in the, if it's four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm having an absolutely awful day, because I haven't had that time to myself or whatever... I can remind myself, actually, it doesn't matter. I can start again now. Yeah. I can take myself off now and cry. No, I can, <laughs> I can take myself off now and I can either read something. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, you know, I've got a little book of, uh, you know, daily reflections or anything like that. Um, or I've, I've got apps on my phone, yeah. uh, Headspace apps, and I've got other apps uh, that are connected with um, sobriety and stuff. And I can just you know, reset. Mm -hmm. It's like I get this thing called, uh, or I call it washing machine head. So I've got so many things going on in my head. They're all going round and I can't concentrate. Or, you know, your your computer's on its, in front of us here. It's got lovely screensaver on it. But, when it's when the desktop when it's just got when the desktop has um, got loads of windows open. open and things like that. That's what my head feels like. And sometimes yeah. I have to think, no, I have to close all these tabs down because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's worrying me. Yeah. Um, but r- reminding myself I can restart my day at any point is, yeah. a, is a good lesson that I've learned. I love that. Um, a lot of the time, if you're having, if I'm having a bad day, I'll be like, "Well, fuck it, then I'll just wait till tomorrow morning and and start yeah. then." Yeah. And you can, I can. If it was four o'clock, I could. That would waste the whole yeah. evening session of yeah opportunity to make make the day better again. Absolutely. You know, finish the day in a good way. Yeah. It's hard sometimes because sometimes I, all the things on my mind or all the, you know, anxiety or worries or fears or anything like that, you can sort of, it's almost like you can carry them around in a backpack, mm. right? So you've got this backpack on and it's really, really heavy. It's like every every worry or anxiety is a brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is packed. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I'm bending backwards, right? Yeah. Now... I can I can think to myself. I'm going to start my day. I'm going to take the backpack off. I'm yeah. going to take it off. 
Okay. But then... Much easier said than done, but yes. Yeah, much easier. But what I was going to say was, but quite often, I will think to myself, no, I'll put it back on. Because I feel more comfortable with it. Oh. <laughs> Even though I'm uncomfortable, Ooh, the thought of the, the thought of just taking it off and, and just forgetting it all yeah. is too much sometimes. I think, well, I'll just put it on for a little bit. I'll put it on for a little bit and see how much further I can get. And, and it's uh, stupid. Why do we do that? No, and sometimes it's like, well, no, if I don't have this anxiety or this worry or this thought about xyz then who else will yeah or it's it's, it's my yeah it's my responsibility to be really what's going to happen worried to about that this? little fear and anxiety if i don't if i don't give it, it, yeah, carry yeah. it around. if i don't give it some life yeah yeah what's going to happen to it yeah what's the worst that can happen i am um, um, so, i really didn't like getting covid before christmas this year yeah but last year but there was there was like a moment where i just was like oh like i actually could take the that backpack off mm. And I was like, you're not, you can't go anywhere till next week. Yeah. So actually, you could have to sit there. Don't worry about any of this because you've, you've got this, you know, reason that we really don't like, you know, we don't like the presence of COVID in the world. However, yeah. <laughs> at that moment, I was like, I actually felt quite relaxed for yeah. quite a few days. Yeah. Because you just, I, there was no point me worrying about any of this stuff because I can't leave the house. Yeah. No one's going to ask me to leave the house. Yeah. No one's going to ask anything of me because I can't come. So it actually felt like really, Absolutely. really nice for a, for a minute. I um, think it was nice. I, it, it's one of those things, in hindsight, looking back, I wish... Well, that's what hindsight is, isn't it? I <laughs> wish we knew now what we knew in that first lockdown because I would have... I would have been much more relaxed. I mean, I was pretty relaxed. Yeah. I actually, I think... I, I don't think I've spoken to anyone that had a terrible, terrible time in that first lockdown. Once we were... Once you... Once we knew... What... Right, well, this was, is going to go on for a while now. Yeah. Because I don't, I'm not often at home. Well, I am at home, but I'm in, in in stages, you know, I'll be there for a couple of weeks and I might be away for a month and I might be back for two months, but then yeah. away for six months, you know, touring and things like that. That's how, how it works. But I was at home for a long time. And to begin with, you think, right, well, I, I better keep, you keep doing things and, you know, checking emails and things like that. And then after a while, it became quite nice to mm. just think, well, there's nothing I can do. Can't. There's nothing um, I can do about this. Yeah, come on, boys, pack a you, you pack went on a lunch. Of hikes, We're off didn't you? Yeah, we took lots up hikes hiking. Around. We did loads of stuff, but <laughs> you're dragging those three, those three, those poor, three boys. poor children around. Poor boys, the hills. Wanted, they just wanted to play on their Xbox and things like that. And yeah. we're like, no, come on, we're going on a hike. How many miles? <laughs> it's eighteen today. <laughs> come on, Alfie, keep up. Come on, Alfie. Oh. But, uh, um, can you tell the story of um, the tooth fairy realisation? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we had to sit them down. And um, the our boys, Toby is 16, but he has learning difficulties. So mm-hmm. he, developmentally, he's probably much younger. Well, he is much younger. Riley uh, is now in the second year of high school and Alfie is... Um, at high school, and we thought, we, you know, they still believed in Santa and things like that. Idiots. And, and um, <laughs> it's quite sweet. We live in a we live in a little tiny village, and yeah. But they go to this high school now, and when they were in their tiny village school, it was it was thirty kids. There's thirty kids in this school, and right. it's in the middle of nowhere, you know. So they don't they don't know about the world and stuff like that, and they were very sheltered anyway. So, but now they've gone to this big high school, and we thought. We've got to talk to them all about Santa because mm. I don't sure they they're on the cusp. Do they believe? Do they not believe? And 
and uh, we thought we'd, we can't let them go to high school and then maybe mention something about Santa and then forever be the kids that still believe in Santa yeah at, whatever so we sat them all down and we said um, we've got something to tell you it's the secret of Christmas and now that you're of a certain age we're going to tell you about the secret of Christmas and the secret of Christmas is that um, you know we're going to tell you a secret now and you now have to keep that secret going because it's what makes Christmas magical to children right of a certain age and they, oh, yeah yeah so they're all oh, excited spoiler alert spoiler, spoiler alert, alert everyone yes <laughs> <Just> so, <in case. laughs> if there's any children listening or you're listening with your children uh this is a good good way of doing it but yeah <laughs> tell them to turn away now but uh, we said right so we have to tell you there is no santa claus shut up shut up yeah. we heard him last year on the roof no you didn't, you didn't, <laughs> didn't. No, that was shane, you, that was shane. <laughs> uh, we saw him i think we saw him no no you didn't, no, yeah. you didn't. Uh, well, who does the who does the footprints? No, the fireplace. That's Shane's Hunter Welly dipped in the dipped in the, <laughs> the, you know, mud the, the mud and then walked across. Who eats the mince pies? Well, again, Shane. <laughs> uh, who drinks the sherry? Definitely Shane. But Shane, um, Shane arguably Shane, is uh, part of the Christmas. Could be Santa. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we told him this, and then eventually they. I said, well, but look, the reason that the reason that children you know it's the secret of christmas it makes it magical but now you all know the secret You're so you are now part of that secret the magic yeah. of christmas and now you have to because you've got young cousins and things like that who will still believe so as far as you're concerned when you're talking to them he's absolutely real and mm-hmm. da, 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 da. they all took that on board they're like okay i don't think they were particularly happy about it no but, but they took it on board yeah and uh yeah we've all been there they, yeah and so they walked away and we thought wow we've done it and then alfie the youngest one uh, turned on his heel and came back in he said uh uh just one question what about the tooth fairy <laughs> <laughs> and we looked at and we like this fuckery going then, on here what about uh, the tooth fairy i said no the tooth fairy isn't real either he said oh thanks a lot <laughs> I said, well, why? He said, well, those two have all lost their teeth. I haven't lost mine yet. You could have waited till I'd lost all mine before you told me the truth. I've just, I've just lost out on 20 quid. Yeah, he's lost out on all the money. I said, Alfie, I will give you the money. Don't worry. I'll give you the money. But, uh, That's so funny. They are funny. They just are one funny. question. Just, just one just question. Just one more. Like, he came back like Columbo. Not, yeah, not only have you ruined... Just, just one final question. The tooth fairy. Yeah. No, that's not real either. Yeah, um, they could. Yeah, mm. that's the tooth. Why would you ask me about the tooth fairy? I can't remember what we we're talking about now. Tooth fairy, Christmas, Christmas. You're starting hiking, my day again. Meditating reading, again. Meditating. Reading. Yeah, hiking. I, fitness. I think I've I've become fitter mm-hmm. since lockdown. I I put on a bit of lockdown weight, and uh, well, I think it's just as you get older, if you're not a gym goer mm. which i wasn't i can't bear the, well to be honest with you i don't like the gym now i still don't like yeah. it but, but i've a... sort of I've, I've come to terms with the fact that um i may not like it but i you, i have to do something if yeah, i don't like mobile, if yeah. i don't like you know being overweight and um you know losing my breath tying my shoelaces then mm. i need to go to the gym or i need to do something so yeah yeah, so I did. I, I did something with um, an actor called Tom Senior. His name is. I think he's called Tom Living Fit on 
mm-hmm. Instagram to give him a plug at Tom Living Fit. But I did an online thing with him. Yeah, at, not at, with me. Uh, I didn't know you did. You do <laughs> no, I don't do one. I don't. You I don't do, do online. Classes. Yeah, I do, well, yeah, I did. in London. I don't yeah. live in London. <laughs> I live out in the sticks. <laughs> it takes me four hours <laughs> and a week's planning to yeah. come to London. Um, so I did this online thing, which uh, made me look because I had gone to the gym in the past and just didn't see any results, and then hated it and mm. uh, stopped again and, and didn't go back. Yeah. But you know, I've looked at my diet and what I'm eating and things like that, and I, yeah, I've lost. I I've gone from eighty-eight kilograms to seventy-two. So Amazing. sixteen. I don't know what that is in. Stone. No, I don't know either. But that's it's good. It's got to be a couple of stone. Mm. But you feel good and you... I feel are, much better. Yeah. I feel... Yeah, I feel much better. And I'm doing things like I came here on my bike today. I bought yes. a bike to cycle around London in. I've been cycling everywhere. And, uh, yeah, we did all this hiking with the kids mm. and... And we, keeping up with the the boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's good to keep yeah. active and mobile. Yeah they're, and... They're, yeah, yeah, they're active and stuff. They're all into football. Obviously, I don't play football with them because I couldn't... Ugh, I can't think of worse. Yeah, I, I took them to a football match once because they wanted to go. Never and, again. Oh, never again. The most boring <laughs> two hours. Is it two hours? I don't know, 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Of, 90 minutes what of I didn't actual play. Of actual play. But what I didn't understand... Mm, having, any of it. Well, I didn't understand any of it at all. But also, when you go, when you watch it, or you when it's on television, mm. as it would have been when I was a child, yeah. and the noise of it sort of... I can't bear it now. The yeah. noise of it. Oh, that is one of my. That is the worst that noise, noise in the world. The chants. It just yeah. sounds like another language. But um, when you're watching it on television, obviously there's people saying, "And so and so's got the ball and did it and this that, that, that." When you go and watch it live, <laughs> there's, there's nobody saying there's anything. No, 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 no. You're just on your left to your own devices. You are left there to, to with make however sense. many men there are. Two teams of men running up and down yeah. the bloody pitch. Yeah. Kicking the ball about no and nobody explaining what's happening. Yeah, they need someone so on the mic. So it's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> it's even worse. It's just it's just people playing. It's just it's just people with playing. An, a, a ocean of chanting around you. Why? Incoherent. Why they would noise. want to go and see that. I have yeah. no idea. If I live to be thirty-two, I'll never understand it. <laughs> but anyway, I took them once and never again. But never my again. dad, my dad has taken them to see football. But uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, leave it. Leave it to him. Leave it to him. Um, one last question. Oh, well, maybe, not the last, maybe not the last question, but just yeah. a question I a do question. need to ask. Yeah. Uh, because um, because of the nature of the of the podcast, the name right. of the podcast. Yeah. Is uh, Brad Fit? What is your unguilty pleasure? This is something oh, that right. you yeah. you um, maybe um, you know like to do, but maybe don't tell many people. Maybe it's a bit of a secret one, or you feel a bit sheepish sometimes that you enjoy it so much, but. Here at Unguilty Pleasure HQ, we just rid everyone of the guilt because. Yeah, I don't. Nothing um, good can be. Nothing that you enjoy can be bad. Well, I'm like, unless a, it's as illegal. you know, I'm like a saint. Yeah. <laughs> don't drink, don't smoke, don't do any. Uh, nothing. No, so, you are um, also. I, mean, I don't really. Quite boring, really. Quite boring. You should have known me when I was drinking. Yeah. It was so much fun. <laughs> you didn't get that tattoo. I was crazy. Uh, no, I didn't get it. No, uh, I've changed that this year. Um, unguilty pleasure. An unguilty pleasure. Well, when I think about guilty things nowadays, I think about f- food. Do you know what an un- unguilty pleasure? Mm. doesn't matter. I do track, tra- I'm so boring, track calories and things like that. One thing I don't, I never, never, there's never any question about it. Mm-hmm. And that's my family. 
Friday, mm-hmm. doesn't matter how, it's fish and chips. Fish and chips. Fish and chips on a Friday. Yeah. I don't care where I am in the world. And I'm not one of these people that searches out, you know. The best. The, um, you know, the English restaurants. In, mm-hmm. in fact, quite the opposite. I like to eat it. But Fridays are fish and chips. I don't ever feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about it, do you know what an unguilty pleasure is? Actually buying books that I know I'll probably never read. <laughs> I think that's most people who buy books. Yeah, I um, I do read a lot. Yeah. And, but I love buying books. Yeah. I've got so many books. You know, when you move around and stuff like that, I've got, over the years, everything else has gone by the way. So the CDs, I had thousands, thousands of CDs. Yeah, me and my dad and my older sister, I dread to think how many CDs are in well, that family home that I just I used to move them around from house to house when I was younger and uh-huh. you know young gad about town and move them round around to house but um eventually I just thought well the way things are going you know Spotify da 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 whatever now I um I just don't use them mm. and and also you can't get rid of them yeah I literally could, I I did a car boot sale and I had boxes and boxes of CDs and in the end I was begging people to take take them away have yeah. it have the box. Yeah. People were walking away with boxes of two, three hundred CDs. Oh my gosh. Because I was just to take them. It's yeah, like yeah. VHSs, DVD. Yeah. Uh, we've got them in our house, but I don't have a DVD player or a VHS. You know, I don't have a DVD player. Def- yeah, d- my computer doesn't even have a no. disc player on <laughs> yeah, it now. So useless, aren't they? I know. I've got all these films. I liked watching films. I liked buying films and watching films over and over again. But books. I, I read a lot of books and I used to feel guilty about buying them because, you know, I can easily buy five or six mm. In a go. Yeah. And I think, when am I going to read? Because at best, I can do one a week mm-hmm. if I'm really, really, you know, if I'm really... Bookworming. Uh, bookworming. And I'd look at it and I'd think, right, this has got 400 pages divided by seven. I've got to do X amount pages per day to get through this in the week. Yeah. And I'll mark it and I'll sit and I'll think, right. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to do this this week. But then the amount that I buy, I know I'm never going to get through them all. No. But I like the pile. I like them. They're, yeah. They're piled up everywhere. So buying books, I think, is an unguilty pleasure. I don't feel. I used to feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty about it now. Good. I'm you quite shouldn't. happy. No. Yeah. I I bought one today. <laughs> what did you buy today? I bought a I bought a book. I can't even remember what it's called. But I follow someone on Instagram, hmm. and they have got a book coming out. <laughs> And I can't even remember the title. It's by <laughs> Alexis. I can't even remember. It's 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 called Queer Up or something. I can't remember it. Oh. I can't remember. It's a it's a gay themed book. Um, and I just saw it would come out, and I thought, right, I'll have that. I'll have a read of that. Any of those? Uh, yes, Alexis Court. It's here. It's, it is called Queer Up. There you Queer go. Queer Up. By Alexis Court. So that's what you've just got. I've just bought that today because I saw it and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. Hmm. I'll buy that. Lovely. I, um, but I, I have borrow, a I borrow it off you after you've... Yeah, I'll send it to you. After you've looked at it on your shelf for a few, for a few uh, <laughs> no, I will, months. I will read it. I will read it. Um, so I'll do that. But no, I've got quite a pile of books to get through at the minute. But I don't feel guilty about that. No. You I, uh, no, I, I try and read at night. I've, I've, I've tried. I try not to look at my phone now. Or, or I used to watch YouTube going to sleep. Yeah, same. Re- but, but to try and sleep, I used to have t- trouble sleeping. So I used to watch ASMR. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you do. You what do you know ASMR? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Autonomous sensory 
Meridian response. I stumbled across it because <coughs> I was look. I was on YouTube thinking, "Help me go to sleep." Mm. Sleep, sleepy music, or sleepy chat, or yeah, something yeah. like that. And then, you, <laughs> and then you sort of find it. And then it was a bit like, um, it was a bit like when I took that first half a pint of Guinness. I suddenly thought, <gasps> "Yeah, it's weird, is isn't me. it?" It's quite... I get this. I get those tingles yeah, and yeah, that yeah. that noise. And I've always liked whispering and mm-hmm. um, and this. Oh, tapping. Yeah. Yeah. My favourites are the the uh, the whispering. I don't like inaudible whispering. I like to hear what they're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. Inaudible. If you, oh, that's, I don't want that. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. You can talk about anything. And I don't like the ones where you're watching somebody fold a towel or anything like that because I want to sleep. I want to put my mask on. Nice. Yeah. You don't want, want any of the hear visual whispering. Mm. But Headspace do uh, uh, good stuff. I've got the Headspace app, which is mm. what I use for meditation, and they have nighttime things. Have you seen the ASMR that's um, people eating? Yeah, I don't get that no, as that's, much. That's a um, that's a whole whole other world. Yeah. And the ones where it's like, uh, where they're just like um, running their hands through buttons and then through like, oh yeah, pennies and then yeah. things like that. Yeah, I don't. Do they, mind they them. turn you on or just just the? Whispering? I don't mind them. I don't mind the sound. Sa- I like the sounds and the tapping ones. I don't mind any of them really. To be honest with you, I don't hear much of them. No, because it, it really helps. really works. It works. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm always surprised when you when you're looking for one and it's like four hours and yeah. I think four hours. I need, <laughs> Five minutes. Yeah, yeah, max. Five minutes will do me. I'll be gone. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, five minutes and I'm out. Mm. But uh, I think by, by 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 reading at night, that's helped me sleep and things like that. But, um, yeah, Good. unguilty pleasure is buying books I know that I may never read. Okay. Well, I read you of the guilt. Well, you don't have any. But no, I don't if have you, any. If you had an iota left, Thank you. it's gone. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for being here today, Brad. It's... Um, a treat to see you as always. You're um, welcome. And um, I'm so glad we could do this and love you very much and thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I love the show, so it's a, an honour. Yeah, to I did be get a it. WhatsApp. I did get a voice note being like, when am I going to be <laughs> yeah. on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're here and we've done I'm it. I'm here and I've done it. And I'm, uh, well, even if it's not, I would like to say I am officially the first episode of, of series season two. two. You absolutely which are. Which is always the good season. Oh, very much yeah. so. Yeah. Season two is where it gets interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, where can people find you on the internet if they would like to? Uh, if they want to read, uh, well, go Follow to bradfit.com <laughs> or or if you if you you know otherwise inclined, go to bradfit.co.uk. Although I think he has now folded, mm-hmm. but bradfit.com is me. I'm on Instagram at bradfit75 mm-hmm. because I've forgotten the login to at bradfit's <laughs> at bradfit. And um, yeah, um, that's about and it. And what are you working on? Right now in London. I I do freelance work for a company called PW Productions, who Mm -hmm. are producers, and they look after... Their big show is A Woman in Black and an Inspector Calls, but they are general managing a show at the minute called Ava, which is on at the Riverside Studios, so I'm working on that at the moment. And when's that on till? It's opening uh, next week, I think, and we start previewing from the 18th at Riverside Studios and I don't have the date now but um, it's running I think until April amazing at some point but yes that's uh, that's what I'm working on at the moment nice well everyone rush to see it uh, I know um, I'll I'll be coming down to see it and um, thank you so much thank you everybody for listening this has been episode one of season two of um, Unguilty Pleasure and I will see you next well I'll speak to you next time you'll hear me next time bye bye 
Unguilty Pleasure is produced by Felix. Check her out at basement.space. The theme tune is written and performed by Jordan Lavinia at Jordan Lavinia on IG. And the cover up for the podcast is by Alex Codd at It's Art Babes. Go show some love and support. Thank you so much.